0: Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to a very, very special Ooh. Gentleman's Dojo.
1: Ooh, this is a special one, my friend. This is a spicy one. Yeah. I'm really excited about this one. A very special ABC not... after-school special. Yeah.
0: Uh, to my left, from Detroit, Michigan, stand-up comedian, uh, health nut.
1: Yeah. Um, Overall, good guy. Well,
0: h- how much do you weigh right now?
1: Uh, well, I, since our last show, when we talked about this on uh, New Year's Day... I was like 202, now I'm down to 156. <laughs> feeling good. Right. I may be a little too thin. How much, how much do you weigh? I may weigh, be honestly? Tracy Gold thin. What? Right. How much do you weigh? Uh 199. I'm God. feeling good. You're fucking fat. Looking good, feeling, fat. good. Uh, Looking good anyways, feeling good. Uh anyways,
0: I am Steve Byrne from Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. Yes. This week I am gearing up to film my fourth hour special in Chicago. What's Lincoln the title Hall. of it? I haven't named it yet.
1: Have an idea, obviously. I'm going to. You I, have a thought.
0: I, I, I don't know yet. Okay. I, I I really have no idea. I don't know what to call it because that's mm-hmm. always a tricky thing. But
1: would you be interested if I gave you some suggestions? <sighs> sure. Yeah, come on.
0: Well, go ahead, asshole. Okay. What, what what should
1: I call it, Gary? Uh, uh laugh track. We could call it uh, plenty of tickets always available. We could call it uh, the D lister. We could call it I don't know. I I how many do you want? What do you want? Bam, bam!
0: <laughs> Jesus, you are the worst. We're friends, right?
1: Let me look at my check. Oh god. Okay. Yeah. Well, well, we're excited. So we are actually doing this special from the road. This this show here from the road. Yeah. So we thought this this hour, or, or
0: for this for this podcast, what what we could do is just take a walk down memory lane. I was going to play some bits um, for you guys from my specials and explain maybe what I liked, what I didn't like, um, and just some of my favorite clips, maybe maybe some jokes that I'm proud of, and some jokes that maybe uh, I've learned lessons from. Uh, I'll give you an example, this out of the gates I'd like to play for you, and then we could talk about it afterwards, okay? This is going to be uh, like four minutes here, but this this does go somewhere, and this is a bit I learned a lesson from in retrospect. I was watching a uh, stand-up show the other night. If I hear one more black comedian bitching in their act about getting pulled over by the cops just because you're black, I'm gonna blow my goddamn brains out. I figured it out. It's not because you're black, okay? Here's a theory. Reggae music, what do these people like to do? Smoke weed, right? Not all of them. Oh, fucking most of them. So let's take that theory. You're young, you're black, you're driving around, seat back, hat to the side, blasting music. What are you blasting for everybody within the city limits to hear? and <laughs> <Smackin'> hoes. <laughs> Big Pippin. <laughs> Crack. <laughs> Shoot your ass. <laughs> Fuck police. Gee, I wonder why you're getting pulled over. It's not because you're black, it's because you're advertising a lifestyle that is illegal, that you're associating yourself with. If you're black, you don't want to get pulled over by the cops, blast some country music, you'll confuse the shit out of the cops. <laughs> cops will pull you over, license registration, the winner comes down, honky-tonk, donk and you're free to go. What the fuck was that? I just found a black unicorn (laughs) and I will name him Hootie. (laughs) And it's true when I was in my twenties, I loved hip hop. I couldn't stand country music, I actually hated it. I'm in my thirties now, and I kinda like country music, and I kinda don't like hip hop like I used to. Why? The words, the message. What is relatable to me in the message of country music? Family, God, patriotism, USA, drinking girls. She thinks my tractor's sexy. That's a song, she thinks my tractor's sexy. This asshole's getting laid with a tractor? I can run with this crowd, the bar's set pretty low with this crew. I mean, hip-hop, what can I relate to in hip-hop? Flying in a G6, you're flying a private plane a G6? I'm flying Southwest. <laughs> Seating group C, cause I didn't check in online 24 hours before the damn flight. In the club, popping crystal. good for you. I'm at home cracking cores Light and saving the recyclables. <laughs> Pimping ain't easy. Pimping ain't Easy. <laughs> Let me tell you something, firefighting ain't easy. Math ain't easy. Waking up from a nap, that ain't easy. <laughs> Pippin is the easiest thing you can do in the world. As a man, you sit around doing nothing all day while some girl you want slave on drugs goes out and fuck strangers. She gives you all the money and every now and then you crack her cold one. Rough day at the office. Even the image, they're always pissed off. There's no smiling in hip hop. Why? They're gangsters. That's the image you sell. You're supposed to be scared of the gangsters. Look, do gangsters scare me? Of course they do. But I will tell you who scares the shit out of me, country guys country guys scare me. Why? They got farm strength, camouflage, skills. They hang out at Bass Pro Shops looking for utensils to kill animals with their bare hands. Turn on the History Channel. They'll jump into a swamp in just jean shorts wrestling an alligator three times their size. They'll make their own beef jerky. Do you guys know how fucked up it is to make your own beef jerky? Not that expensive. You could buy it at a gas station for a dollar. but you're going to go out killing animals, skin it, gut it, dry it out. People are like, hey, what do you eat? Something I killed a year ago. Holy shit. <laughs> Now you give me a choice between a dark alley and Harlem at 3 in the morning. I'm in an alley taking a piss and I hear, what up, player? It's going to scare me. But if I'm on the backwoods of Alabama camping, crickets chirping, stars out, nobody around for miles, I'm in the woods taking a piss and they're, howdy, y'all, get me the fuck out of here. That number one just turned into a number two, real quick.
1: quick. Nailed it. That clip was about three and a half minutes too long. Oh, God. So... So that bit was... So... <laughs> Go ahead, Gary. Let me just say this. What? I I, th- I need to ask for more money on this next special because that crowd was so hot, they would have never, ever been that hot over these jokes if I didn't come out there and pump the shit out of those motherfuckers. Yeah, it was you. Yeah. You think it, was it was all you. You think it was the beef jerky joke and, and a Southwest Airlines joke that the crowd's applause breaking? Don't bring me then. You don't bring me. Hey, uh, am I not bringing? Uh, I, I'll stay home this week. Please. From Chicago. And you want to see how bad this is going to be. D- are, are you telling me I'm off the show?
0: <laughs> what are you doing right you now? You need me
1: here. Go back and describe how you came up with this nonsense. Yeah, I'm not even After describing it how Jeff it Jeff Foxworthy. Go ahead. What? I don't know. You
0: yeah, know. you don't know because you've never written anything <laughs> in your fucking life. So this is what I had to learn. So. You do a joke that uh, you know. You talk about race, and look, you don't do anything no. even close to this because you don't write or take a chance or on the one of artist. Lot. Please go ahead, pass out candy. So I, you know, you, I was I used to watch these shows. You know, I, I, on Tuesdays I go to the comedy store, and it'd be like the Trip in Tuesdays or Mo Better Mondays or whatever the the hit, you know the urban shows. So you just hear all these things about cops, cops, cops. And so you do. I do this joke, and I was thinking, oh, okay, this is a fun way to kind of spin it or look at it or, or do this joke. And I filmed that, and literally, like, a year later, you know, in the news constantly, all you hear about is another shooting that occurred, cops, you know, pulling over this guy and shooting an unarmed black man, and it goes on and on and on. And then you don't think about the social significance or impact, you know, a bit can have when you do something like that because then all of a sudden you go to Netflix and people don't, don't know that I filmed this three years ago. They don't know that I'd written the joke probably three and a half, four years ago before any of this is relevant. They're just they're watching the news all day. They see another guy in Cleveland or Chicago or wherever or down south and someone got murdered by a cop. And then they go online and watch them stand up to get away from the world. And then they see that and they think, oh, this guy's racist. He's an asshole. He's this, he's that, he doesn't. This is what he thinks of the world. This is awful. And you read these things. And so as I'm going into this next hour, this joke in particular for me was a huge, huge lesson. I wouldn't say wake up call, but when you're when you have a perspective or an opinion or whatever, you also got to have maybe some foresight. I think, in terms of being careful uh, about what it is you're trying to communicate, because uh, you know, I was the whole thing was I was trying to generalize and justify stereotyping people. It's okay to stereotype people, and that was the backbone of the whole last hour, the, the of uh, of champion, and then before that, the burn identity. I I. Was justifying or uh, stereotypes, and then you go and do a joke like that, and you realize, oh boy, you know, you got to have some foresight, I guess, to that. But you wouldn't know because you don't ever take a chance. Or but that's why
1: that's why your I was going to compliment you, but fuck it (laughs) now. But that's why your special this upcoming special this week Mm -hmm. is so much different than Champion because this special is obviously more personable. It's about your family. It's about just things that are closer to you. True. Right? Yeah, I'm just waiting for the floor to come back from Nothing. Okay. <laughs> but what but I'm saying is so there there is that big shift because I could tell like over the last year as you were writing this, it definitely became more personalized to you and family life and just being on the road mm-hmm. than it was a couple of years ago when it was more observational stuff.
0: Yeah. I, I'm just I'm just shocked that you're even having like a real conversation with me right now. I can't <laughs> believe this is on record and you're actually being at twelve minutes normal. in
1: <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I I agree. I didn't with you. say I liked it. I just said I was pointing <laughs> out the Jesus difference. Jesus Christ! I didn't say I th- thought it was funny. I'm just saying that the difference. You know, I I wasn't a fan of the observational stuff, nor am I a fan of the personal <laughs> stuff. Fuck off! But I'm just saying, you know, you do what you do. You're the worst. <laughs> I can't believe you're a friend of mine.
0: So I, I look, you know, that is a huge when when I that joke was the biggest lesson. Once that joke came out. I was proud of it. I was happy about it. And really, what the joke is, it's the disparity between country and hip hop, and how everybody's more scared of, you know, some thug, uh, you know, in a pimped out car, as opposed to a guy in a pickup truck. To me, the guy in the pickup truck's way fucking scary. So that was the the basis of the joke. But the setup initially about talking about why are you pulled over by the cops. Here's the real reason. And then all then all of a sudden, it becomes a huge news story, and it is. As you learn more about the statistics of blacks being pulled over by the cops and all this stuff, and you realize there is an epidemic, and obviously my heart goes out to anybody that that is the underdog or or goes through life not fully on an equal plane. That really does kind of hit home with me, and I, I, I was really affected by it. So that was a huge part in terms of moving forward with this next hour and getting more personal, like you said, and not necessarily making fun of racial uh, differences or disparities between us all because a huge part of my identity in comedy, especially the first few years, was being Korean and Irish and picking a lane or trying to figure out how do I communicate my comedy because the minute you get up, people go, oh, he's something. What the fuck's, you know, what is his background? So it it was Korean and Irish and I never wanted to be just a Korean comic because then I'd be like... Lying, I'd be like what what Carlos Mencia went through with Joe Rogan when Joe Rogan's like his name's Ned and he's half German, right? It's like, well, where's his Oktoberfest jokes? It's like, well, I felt the same way, but I felt that years before Carlos even got outed about that. So I was just like, well, I'm Steve Byrne, I'm Korean and Irish, I'm American, and so that will always be the basis of the stand up. So I see something happening there, Gary. What good?
1: No, but uh, but I still love that Southwest Airlines joke because everybody knows. If you don't print your boarding pass 24 hours beforehand, you're going to get seating group C. So airline jokes never get old. They never do. I loved them when Rich Little did them. I loved them when I used to see comics in the Catskills. Mm. So those jokes never get old. And I I think you should do more how the seats don't recline all the way back and how you got to put them in the upright position for landing. Like, come Mm. on, really? So I think you could go more into that. And if you ever needed help, you know, with writing, some stuff like that, I'd be more than happy. Right. Because you're so good at writing. What? When's the last time you wrote a joke? Uh, that Valentine's Day joke from the last episode. <laughs> so, from 2007. 2007. Honestly, when is the last time you sat when down? What was and wrote the last time in uh, Well, let's see. I, I, you know, I always write. I always constantly just write stuff down. You know, put pen to paper is what I call it. Yeah. Um,
0: Milk, ranch dressing, yeah. fries, yeah, French bread, pizza, <laughs> DiGiorno,
1: Nutrisystem. The grocery lists are the most writing you've done
0: in the last few years. Wow! When's the, wow! <laughs> when is the last time you wrote a joke? Just tell me. Well, by the way, you're, when is the last you're time sweating. can you
1: just answer? You're I'm sweating. not sweating. You're, you're fucking sweating. You're sweating. When is the last you heard, time you wrote a joke? You heard your manager tell you ticket sales for this weekend are not good. Not true. And you're it's Sold out. Sold out. Sold yeah. out. It must be a small place.
0: Anyways, um, okay. So this yes. is this is a joke that I wanted to play that I wrote that I really am proud of like I genuinely am truly proud of this was from the second hour I did called The Burn Identity love this one um, this is a joke that you know happy hour Burn Identity Champion I rarely do any jokes from those but every now and then I'll, I'll do this joke and this is a joke that I I generally am truly proud of uh, so Women do not. Why? Because women are mature. And here's where I feel bad for the women. You never had a chance to have fun. Girls are thrown a maturity as soon as you're born. What's the first toy a little boy gets? Gun, truck, bike, that's fun. What's the first toy a little girl gets? Another little baby girl. That's a little messed up, right? Hey, I'm a baby, I'm having so much fun. Time to grow up, baby, here's your baby. <laughs> I just got here. What's that kitchen set for? Get in there, you go learn how to bake cookies. <laughs> but don't eat them, you don't get fat. <laughs> girls are forced to grow up so quick, even by the laws of nature. When does a girl become a woman? Technically, around fifth grade. Remember the one day the teacher walks in the classroom, separates a class, life changes after that one day. Teacher walks in, all right, all the girls please, all the girls just get up and follow me real quick, we're gonna have a little talk. Guys, like, what do they get to leave? Are we going to stay to work. Jeremy, thank you. All the girls, please. <laughs> girls, get up. What's going on? Is there a rainbow outside? <laughs> I love rainbows. Girls, come back. Twenty minutes later. <laughs> That's gotta be spooky news for a kid to you hear. You're a kid. One minute you're in our jungle gym going down a slide next to you in a cold classroom with a teacher, you're gonna be bleeding once a month, pretty much the rest of your life. <laughs> I'm sorry, I'm gonna be bleeding? <laughs> oh, yeah. From where? Right there. Right there?
1: <laughs> is it gonna hurt?
0: Not you, but everyone around you. <laughs> it's gonna hurt. Gary, those are laughs. <laughs>, laughs. Those are laughs, Gary. <laughs> that is a joke I truly am. Uh proud of what special was that from the second one burn identity okay that's that's one of those where i i was like uh you know i look i don't think i'm the greatest comic in the world i don't i don't i don't beat my chest and go i'm the fucking shit but i think when you do an hour you think of it as a record and you hope to god you have like three hit singles on each record and i would think that over the course of my career if I were to put together a bunch of jokes, I think that's that's one I'd be very proud of. Do you have anything like that? Do like, comics? Like when, when you say, uh, give it up for the single ladies, Like, do you consider that one of your greatest hits, or is that just
1: a I question? like it. It's a good reaction. Yeah? It, it doesn't always— uh, Give it up for the single ladies? I don't—the th- troops, uh, yeah. you know, people serving for us. I don't think it always has to be a set-up punchline kind of thing. I mean, that's fine. <laughs> okay. I don't think a joke always needs to be a set-up punch. Okay. I think it can go another way. Yeah. What, right. what do you – and I'm asking you this dead serious. Oh, God. Dead serious. Are you being serious or are you fucking around with me? 100%. Because I don't know this because I don't have a special. So I'm asking you this with 100% honesty. After you film a special, right? After yeah. you film it, right. what's what's the end goal? Like, what, what, what do you hope the special brings to you? Do you do it for your own personal journal at the end of the, the career? Like, like, what do you hope after the special starts airing? Do you hope that – you start playing bigger rooms. Like, what? what's, wh- why do, why, I'm serious. I, why do people, <laughs> yeah. why do people do specials? Like, like, what's, what's the goal at the end of it?
0: I think the goal as a comic is to stay relevant. Uh, you know, look, so many comics out there will do one hour and write off of that. Or do two hours and write off of that. I think if you don't keep creating, you get complacent. Look at it this way. This this is the best analogy I can make. Imagine if you're a factory worker and you work on a conveyor belt and every day you see the same piece come down and you have to take piece A and piece B, join them together and then put it back on the belt and it goes off. So every day you're just doing the same shit over and over again. Well, like 10 years in, you're going to be fucking miserable. You're pissed off. After the, the horn rings at 5 o'clock, you go to the to the town bar, 501, you're getting hammered, you're depressed. I think that is what happens to a lot of comedians on the road. I think comics are on the road, they do the same shit over and over and over again, and eventually they get into a state of depression, they're drinking, they're doing drugs, they're banging hookers, they're not happy in life. And ultimately, it's because you're not doing anything to creatively give yourself something... Uh, a reason to be on that stage. So for me, I do this because I want to stay relevant. I think personally for me, it's driving towards a goal, which is to create new and better material and to test myself and see if I can get get better with each special. And I think each special has gotten better. I think the first one was just observational, crazy, wacky shit that anybody could have done at the time. I was much younger. The second one was taking a more of a leap forward in terms of me trying to identify myself as a Korean and Irish and then an American comic. The third one was a little darker and I pushed boundaries that I think I was trying to be a little edgier than I needed to be. And I'm not really completely happy with the third one. Again, even that that one that I played earlier, I at the time, I was proud of that joke, but then I look back at it now, and it's like, oh, somebody could play that clip and go, oh, this guy's a fucking asshole. And I'd be like, yeah, I could see how you could think that. Definitely not the intention. The, the intention of any joke is to make people laugh. But I could see how people could say it that way. But this last one, this new one that I'm doing this week in Chicago, I'm the most proud of. I worked really hard on it. And like you said, it is very personal to me. So I hope to God that people enjoy it. And look, at the end of the day, stand-up comedy to me is a marathon. I hope to God I create a body of work that people can look at and go, oh, I like that joke from that special. I like a joke from that special and that one. They're not all going to be, you know, grand slams or whatever, but I- I'm I'm going to fucking try my damnedest to to do a grand slam. But uh, I don't know. You've you've known me for a while. Mm-hmm. You've worked with me. Yep. You've seen me on the different, you know, through different, uh, you know, waves and ebbs and flows of my stand-up. Are- as a friend, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know you can be honest. Yep. Do you like this new hour compared to things I've done in the past?
1: So listen, I've seen, We can be serious. This is going to be hard to believe, but I've seen you perform in front of small crowds. I've mm-hmm. seen you perform in front of smaller crowds. Jesus um, Christ! <laughs> <laughs> fucking horse. <laughs> no crowds. Um, no, no, no. When, when you're talking about a body of work, no question. This is definitely at the end of your career going to be a a dead body. Um, if we can be serious, <laughs> no, we've talked. We listen. We've talked about this, and I've said this to many people. I have never, ever, ever mm-hmm. seen somebody working so hard on a special, trying to run through this and making sure it's perfect before you do it live. I mean, I, I, I you're running this thing all this week to get ready for it on Saturday. I mean, so yeah. many other people would be like, "Hey, I got it." It's ready to go. We're good to go. Mm -hmm. It's crazy, but I really do listen. When we first met, you were working on Champion, and that was just the side of you that I knew was this Mm -hmm. more observational stuff. But I do like the more personalized stuff because it's you. It's 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 more relatable to you. It's more of what I know, and I think at the end of the day, that's where your specialty lies. I think you know, the observational stuff is good, but I do think that this special will shine more than the other one. I really do. I I think it's going to (laughs) be...
0: This is absolutely shocking to hear because I've known you all these years and you've never once complimented my stand-up, but when I back you in a corner... (laughs) It's amazing what, what comes it, it out. Is,
1: it is funny because New Year's Eve, we, we I was behind the curtain before the second show, and I was like, I just got to say thank you for this amazing year. We had a great <laughs> 2015. It was awesome. Loved it. Thank you for the friendship. And then you get up on stage, and I'm shouting out your punchlines. Oh, just shouting on me, like, yeah. <laughs> we We can't show affection in front of other people, but behind closed doors, we can. Yeah. yeah.
0: No, I appreciate those but I words. I really
1: I really do think, I mean, I, you know, Uh, Again, you're on the road constantly getting ready for this thing, and I always wonder, because I always think too with other comics, sometimes – like I remember Jim Gaffigan when he did Beyond the Pale. That was really – if you look back, what launched him. I mean that was – he did that special and then boom. I mean that guy just jumped right from there. And so I didn't know if that was kind of the goal for other comics in terms of like are they hoping that that next special is really what leapfrogs them to – another level? Mm-hmm. Is it just, you know, for their own body of work? Like what, what? Always Because I also think, too, when comics start to get bigger and they right. feel like they need to produce more, they almost produce more too quickly. So they feel like there's the pressure of them having to come out with a new DVD every year, and yeah. then the material suffers because they're trying to produce it so quickly and the material's not very good. Maybe some of it is, but not all of it. Yeah, so, I agree with that. So, you know, if you look at it like you did – champion in what year 2014
0: uh champion was 2000
1: I thought it was 14 14 14 it came out i taped it in 13 yeah so you look at that mm-hmm. and you know you've waited a long time to make sure that you had a good hour put together i mean you know so yeah you know, but some of these people they just come out so quickly just because they feel that they need to and it just doesn't work. I mean, you, you look at so many people who will say, did you see that guy's new Netflix special or whatever? It was horrible. Yeah. But they feel like that they need to produce just to keep on the radar.
0: Yeah, I didn't want to rush into it. I wanted to do something I was proud of and happy with and something that was going to be great. But I think, yeah, I think some guys go at it with this mentality of like, this has got to be the one. This is going to be killer. This is going to be great. And look, I'm not going to lie. When I was younger, I definitely thought that and even with Champion, but I think you can't lie to yourself. You just have to say, it is the way it is. And when I film this one, and I'm really happy with this one, it's just like, I just want it to be great. And I hope people watch it. And I almost feel like Morgan Freeman at the end of Shawshank Redemption. It's like, I've done this for 18 years. Like it or don't like it, just stamp the goddamn paper. Whereas before, it's like, you want people to like you, you want everybody to like you, you hope to God it's going to be a great special. You hope to God it's going to be that you know the one that Gaffigan or sure or the one that Chris Rock had where everybody you know he just exploded. I mean every comic in the back of your head thinks that, but I think as a comic if you've done this long enough and and maybe it hasn't happened yet, you just say to yourself I just want it to be great. That's that's really it. But also explain, For me, that's too, it.
1: because this is going to be on Netflix, and your last one was on Netflix, but yeah. a lot of guys, because they can't get those deals with Netflix, mm-hmm. they videotape them, they, they film them with their own money, right. and then they try to sell them. Is that riskier to do that? I mean, obviously, but is it better to maybe finance? Maybe you could make a little more money that way?
0: I, I don't know. I mean, I've I've always been pretty lucky. The first two were at Comedy Central. The last one was at Netflix. This one's going to be Netflix, so... You know, I don't know. I think it's look. You always got to better yourself, though. No matter what faction you're doing this. You know, I this is my fourth hour. I've never really made money from an hour ever. I mean, I've I've had weekends that have paid better than what I get paid for filming an hour, which is crazy to hear. But uh, it's it's the truth, and and so that's the thing that just keeps you going. Because if I go to a club, and if I was still doing the material from Champion, you know. Within the course of three years, because that's the rotation. I go to Pittsburgh in 2010. I go to Pittsburgh in 11, 12, 13. Every year, you keep going back. You're doing the same shit. Well, people are going to go, why am I going to see this guy? Right. I don't give a shit. I, do something new. So that is also a huge reason why you got to stay relevant and keep doing new material, because you want people to come back and see you. But ultimately, selfishly, you want to challenge yourself, I think, as an artist. So uh, anyways, do you want to give something That's away? where we differ. <laughs> yeah. You wanna give something away here?
1: Yeah, let's do it. Uh by the way, uh if you are gonna be in the Chicagoland area, uh, which is only a couple days away, uh, we are giving away tickets to your show and uh a nice little weekend. This, yeah,
0: this is th- this is actually a real thing. So if you, yeah. <laughs> you We're know, excited about this. If you tweet me, um if you tweet at Steve Burn Live and say Let's play two, Ernie Banks, Chicago Cub, famous, Ernie, famous Chicago. So if you say, let's play two, I will leave you two tickets at Lincoln Hall for the 10 o'clock taping because Lincoln Hall this Saturday, I'll be taping the new hour for Netflix, seven o'clock, 10 o'clock. I believe it's sold out. It should be sold out. If not, you know, it will sell out, but I will leave two tickets to somebody who says, let's play two, and I will IM you. Uh, Steve, I'd
1: like to uh, sweeten the deal a little bit. Oh, shit. The people who win the tickets Mm -hmm. will also get uh, a picture backstage.
0: Oh. Yeah. Okay, so they have to hit you up. You're shaking your head (laughs) down. They have to hit you up, though. They have to hit you up on.
1: Yeah, Canon Comedy, and I'll set that up. And, uh, yeah, we'll get them the the tickets and uh, backstage pass for a picture after the show.
0: So— Thank you guys so much for listening to this one. I know it was a weird one, walk through memory lane, but I thought this was kind of fun. And I wanted to say that, uh, you know, even as a stand up, you're always learning. And hopefully you you got that from that. But, Gary, I am shocked that you gave me a compliment. I appreciate that because you could have told me the truth. And- Love you, buddy. <laughs> oh, fuck. Love you. Here we you. go. Um, <laughs> thank you guys so much. And we will be in Chicago. Here we yeah. go. Yeah. February 6th. Thank you guys so much. Gentleman's Dojo. And we will talk. Host the new special together for the next episode. Chicago, Chicago, that title in town. Chicago, Chicago. I will show you.